Welcome to episode seven of the Office Hours podcast. Today we're talking about reading with a pencil in hand. We believe every Christian adult should be a student of the Bible, literature, and history, and can learn to delight in the process of learning. On this podcast, we will share bite-sized ideas, practical tips, and nuggets of good literature to whet your appetite. My name is Erica, and I'm here with Rachel and Ryan, but before I ask you... Oh, sorry. (laughs) No, it's okay. That's all right. (laughs) Before I ask you what you're reading, because that's what I was about to ask, I want to tell our audience about something that we did. Guys, we did a thing. We started a school, and we'll probably have a dedicated episode uh, eventually in the near future, but for now, visit NiagaraClassical.com if that's something that you are interested in finding more about. We're accepting applications for the 24-25 school year, and we're booking interviews, so you want to get that application in maybe even today as you're listening to this podcast. That would be great. So pumped for that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, All right. Back to you guys. What are you reading? I am reading a library book called The Library Book by Suzanne Orlean. I just looked up her name. <laughs> I was going to say, did you know who that was? <laughs> yeah, looked it up. Um, so this is a book about, it's centered around uh, a massive fire uh, at the central branch of the LA Public Library in the 80s. Um, but it's a fascinating book because while they talk, well, she talks about that, she talks about her own love of books and childhood and going to the library with her mother. She's got random history chapters. So it, it jumps around quite a bit and she's covering a lot of ground. It's quite a long book actually, but it is fascinating. I started off thinking this is really interesting, but maybe not grimping. And then the next chapter mm. was gripping. Mm. So it's, um, if you are a book lover if you want to think about what libraries are for and all of that, um, it's a great it's a great read. Maybe even if, if you're a book collector, because I realize mm-hmm. I'm actually a book collector rather than a book reader. I mean, I do read books. <laughs> Clearly, I read books, but I just mean like if you urge, to have I just want to collect your house them. And that yeah, counts. it's like an, a good old aged book seller as opposed yeah. to a wine yeah. seller. You know? Yeah. Ryan, what are yeah. you reading? Uh, so I've uh, I've been preaching more often uh, at our church lately. And I am currently reading the uh, the word biblical commentary on Galatians mm. by Richard Longnecker, and what a name! It's a uh, he teaches uh, just up the name. road at uh, the U of T. Does he? Is he Canadian? at the U of yeah. T? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he's Canadian. Oh, okay, interesting. Wow, that's really know, neat. I don't know a lot about it. And Good that, commentary. That might be old information. The book oh. was from the nineties. Oh but. yeah, which. Uh, recently I saw a video, apparently that's the late 1900s yes. to the kids these days. Yes. <laughs> the late 1900s. That's how old yes. we are, guys. <laughs> For our audience, just so you know, we are not actually that old, but apparently my, uh, we're old enough. My oldest daughter had a, a really funny moment a little while ago. She, she asked that if, uh, if I studied Latin in school, uh-huh. Uh, as she is doing, right? And I said no, because I, I went to public school for most of, uh, for high school, and I said no, I didn't uh, didn't do Latin in school. She said, oh, they didn't uh, they didn't have Latin classes in the 1900s. <laughs> it's such a brilliant <laughs> description. Thought, oh, that's true, uh, but you shouldn't say it like mm, that. You're not like, yeah. Anyways, well, that's great. Sounds great. Two very different reads. Okay, so today we're talking about um, the method of close reading. And when I taught my students in high school, when I taught high school students (laughs) close reading, I talked about it as being a student 
uh, as being a student who reads with a pencil. So a close read is a method of digging into a short passage to mine it for treasure. And um, this is the opposite of skim reading. So skim reading, you want to get a vast amount of information into your head or at least partially into your head quickly. Close reading is very slow. You're forcing yourself to consider what the author is actually intending and what the author is actually thinking. I had, so, a, I had a teacher in university, and I can't remember where the quote came from, but it is deep diving, not jet skiing. That's right. Good. Mm-hmm. Good. Yep. So uh, just look quantify that a little bit, mm-hmm. a short passage. Oh, yes. So it, it sort of depends on how dense the text is. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to have enough to mine, but um, good literature, you're probably talking a page, okay. maybe two, depending on what's happening. If it's Dickens, you might want to, <laughs> like he's quite descriptive. There's yeah. reasons why he's descriptive. So it sort of depends. If it's poetry, you could do a close read of a single poem. Right. Um, even a poem yep. that's longer, like The Lady of Shalott, you probably could break it into sections and do a close read, but you still mm-hmm. could do a close read of the whole thing. Right. Um, but we're not talking full yeah. chapters necessarily. Although, depending on how short the chapters are, it could work too. Sorry, that's mm-hmm. super okay. not very scientific. But No, that's, that's okay. <laughs> Just a uh, sort of discernible... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Pericope. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're doing a close read of a, of a <laughs> that was a good word. Thank you. <laughs> um, if, if you're doing a close read of maybe a Bible passage, it would be yeah. of the logical section. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you're, you're not, obviously not going to do a close read of Psalm 119, but you probably could do a close read of the book of Jude because it's only 24 yeah. verses. So it's sort of a, 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 whatever makes the most sense for how deep down you want to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this is a really good method for understanding how words work and how language works together. Mm. And it really allows you to help uncover some of the subtle meanings and the subtle uh, subtexts and see how figurative language and all the different things that make up language and stories really interesting, how that's actually communicating and, and assisting your author in communicating the idea or the argument that they're trying to argue. So it's another one of those tools in your toolbox to being a good reader. So how do you do it? There is a much more technical way. Um, the University of Guelph has a really great layout of, and a description and like a step-by-step of how to do mm. a close read. So if you're really into, like you want a little more highbrow, you want a little more technical, you want to look at figurative language and diction and mood and tone and all those things, um, that's a really great resource. But what we're going to talk about today is a lot more general. And we're looking at the function of a close read and then in theory, we're going to do a practice close read, but I don't think we'll get to it today, so we'll have to wait till the next episode. But um, we're looking more generally what's going on when we do a close read. So a close read is going to require that you read your passage quite a few times, which is why you don't want something that's like 60 pages long. Mm-hmm. The first step, though, is to just read the passage. You want to get a general sense of what's going on. You don't have to try to understand everything. You just want to get a gist. What does the author seem to be saying? generally even if if you're really this is a a passage that seems a little bit above you try to see if you can get a sense of the topic what what is he even Mm -hmm. talking about that can be a really good starting point or a launching point Mm -hmm. so once you get a sense of the gist go back and reread it again but this time pick up your pencil and you're going to note any repeated ideas or words circle words that you aren't sure of yeah um look them up put the definition in the margin um just get a sense a little bit more now that you've got Mm -hmm. the sense of the gist what's What's being repeated? What's being emphasized? What's um, really what's be, what? Are you, what is your attention being drawn to in this passage? Would this be the point where you mentioned circle words you don't know? 
would you, on that second read-through, circle the word, then go look it up and write it in the margin on this read-through, or do you read it through and then go it's, look up your it's words? It's a good question. I think it sort of depends on how distracting it will be. Hmm. If you're like Rachel and Ro- Rachel and I, who are pretty ADD, I would probably wait till the third read-through because <laughs> I'll get distracted by a really cool word in the dictionary. Mm-hmm. Um, but if mm-hmm. I'm suspecting Ryan's a little bit more disciplined in this area, you probably could handle writing the definition in the margin on the second read and still come back for the third Read. Not with a dictionary. Oh, interesting. No. Learn you things know, new every you know day. The man has no self-control with a dictionary. <laughs> Wandering so if you're a person who has a lot of self-control with the dictionary, <laughs> you can go ahead and do it in second read. If not, hold off to the third read. The third read really, though, is the where you're trying to determine the general argument or the general idea. Like, what is the author trying to say about their topic? Um, if the passage is super short, try to reduce it right down to, like, one or two sentences if it's only uh if you're doing a poetry see if you can get it down to like two or three words um this really forces you to get a sense Mm -hmm. of what's going on and always be writing these notes and these thoughts and these paraphrases in your margin that's that's a really handy place to put them so after you've read it a few times at least two or three times at this point um, you really want to see if you can get a general sense of the thrust of the argument like what's actually happening in the argument and one of the ways you can do this is you can go through and you can go through each paragraph and try to succinct it down to um, uh, a phrase looking at your your different phrases and your margins you're trying to see where is he going where does he start and where does he end and how does he get from start to end Um, that's going to give you the general sense of the argument and how the argument works and then in the end, you really want to try to summarize in your own words what's going on. You don't want to, you want to use your own words because if you use your author's words, you're probably not actually thinking as clearly about the argument as you think you are. Mm-hmm. Once you get a general sense of what the author might be saying, go back and reread it again because then you can check and see, is what I think this is about actually what this passage is talking about? Um, and does it follow? Then. Um, I just wanted to jump in here. So mm. you're using the word argument, but mm. this process still applies to fiction. Oh, so yes. just to clarify that um, this is obviously a useful thing mm-hmm. when you're reading somebody like Lewis mm-hmm. um, for for our reading group that we are all a part of um, with some other parents. We're reading The Abolition of Man. This is exactly the kind mm-hmm. of thing we would be doing to try to follow Lewis's argument Mm -hmm. in that um, essay, which was uh, originally a a talk. But don't get thrown off by argument. You can say, what is the author saying? What is, what are they trying to communicate to you in fiction or poetry, right? Because all art is communicating something. Mm -hmm. And the good art is communicating something that's true and beautiful and good. So that's what we're really trying to get at when we are asking about what is the argument? Yeah. What is the author trying to communicate through his piece of yeah. work? What is the author saying and is it true? That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So once you get a sense, you think you've got a sense, you think it's really what the passage is about, ask why the author is doing this. It's one thing to observe what's going on in the text, but that's sort of useless if you're not going to do anything with it. We want to ask why is the author saying what he's saying. So if he, say for instance, to get a little technical, if you recognize that he's using a metaphor here, he's describing something, and it seems like this is very figurative language, it's really well done, but you, you observe that this is a metaphor for life. Okay, great. But why? Why does the author choose that metaphor to communicate that message? That's the, that's the kind of the... Um, 
the real interesting part about literature. Why does the author choose that phrase, that metaphor, that simile, that phrasing, whatever? You want to ask why. And that's where it gets interesting. It's also where it's really hard. And that's where it takes practice. Mm-hmm. Um, one, we want to do a practice um, close read. How are we doing for time? Uh 12 minutes. Oh, so we don't have time today to do a close read. We will in the next episode. But what we'll do is we'll model this. We'll talk Mm -hmm. our way through and then we'll ask why. Why is the author making this contrast? If you want to do a little homework, you could read The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. That's the passage. We're we're not going to look at the whole book. We're going to look at one passage from the Mm -hmm. book. But if you want to get ahead. It's not a long book. No, we, we read it this summer. When was that? No, that yeah. was this fall. We read it. This past fall. Yeah, that's right. And it, I think, I think I read, it's like a, it's like a, an hour and a half read. Yeah. It's pretty, yeah. if you listen to short. it, it's super like 70 pages. If you got the Dover thrift, like it's super short. So go mm-hmm. ahead. You mm-hmm. can read that before the next episode. And then when you come back and we do a close read, you'll have so much more foundational um, information and you'll follow, but you can still follow if you don't read it too. So if you want to have a really in-depth um, look at close reading, uh, Mortimer Adler's mm, book, mm-hmm. How to Read a Book, is a mm-hmm. hefty tome on the subject. It's he like does have pages. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he goes through mm-hmm. the steps and you you get the list and he he in there uh goes further and says, you know, if you're reading yeah. fiction, if you're reading something, yeah. one of the things that stuck with me that you know, you're you the the you're trying to figure out what the author is saying. Mm-hmm. And, and we're saying, and is it true? And then there's the, the further step of, if this is a kind of work that is trying to compel you, mm. if it's trying to communicate something and compel you, should you do what the author is suggesting? Mm. That yeah, is, you know, yeah. if this, if what he is saying to true, if <laughs> what he is saying is true. true, what do I therefore need to do next? Mm-hmm. And that's... Mm-hmm. That's sort of the that's applic- a really interesting that's sort of the application thing to when think you about, do a yeah. close read mm-hmm. of a psalm or when you do a close read of in your Bible study. Like that's sort yeah. of what we're aiming for. We want to know the text and understand the text in a way that it actually compels us towards obedience and obedience in the right direction. So that's yeah. sort of the goal of close reading when it comes to the Bible. Yeah. yeah. But so I, I think just, there's... Uh, I wanted to... You, meant, you mentioned some of these questions. What is it saying about, you know, about the world, mm-hmm. about ourselves, mm-hmm. and then ultimately... or uh, most importantly, Primarily. is it true? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's uh, just an observation. We we run a we ho- host movie nights every month with with some families, and these are the questions that yep. uh, we tell the the kids to ask of the movie. Uh, so just uh, just an observation that even in uh, in something like like film, uh, where it shows rather than tells mm. its uh, its message. Uh, this uh, this kind of attentiveness and uh, you know thoughtfulness, paying attention to sound and lighting and color and these kinds of things, uh, also applies. Mm-hmm. It uh, yeah. needs to be translated, obviously, but it, uh, it's it's a method that can be be used in other media than just a book. Yeah, all art. I would say you could do this too. Um, if you follow us on Instagram, which if you have Instagram, you should Wolf's Head House. Um, you can find, there's a post where we have four questions. We've totally ripped them right from Nancy Wilson's excellent book, Reading with Purpose. She gives four questions and it's basically the same thing. What does it say about the world? What does it say about people? What does it say about God? And is what the author's saying true? So you can check that out there too. Oh, 
that is the bell. So we will have to finish our conversation about close reading on the next episode. So I hope you join us. Happy reading. Thank you.